Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about sex and happiness. And of course, today is no, you know, mistake. Today, we're going to be talking about the following topics. I have a very interesting guest. She calls herself Transformational Tantra, Shamanic Medicine, and Healing Expert. And so we're going to talk a little bit about transformational Tantra. We've talked about Tantra a lot on this show, but we haven't talked about shamanic medicine and how, what that has to do with intimacy and, um, and healing. So we're going to, we're going to skip around a little bit and talk about how this all connects to Tantra and conscious relating. So I look, it's my aim that you get healthier that you get sexier, that you get happier when you hear this show. And so that's what this show is going to be about. Let me tell you about my guest. She's from Sydney, Australia, and her name is Taryn Harvey. She's a qualified Tantra teacher, intuitive healer. Taryn honors Tantra and sacred sexuality and its authentic nature and true practice. She's recently developed a tantric bodywork tool, a polar- the polarity key, And she holds diplomas in transformational life coaching, holistic counseling, and she's certified in Tantra teaching, chakra energy healing, and she's a successful author of Trust, a memoir about spiritual awakening and healing from abuse plus sexual shame. Ooh, I think we're going to start there. So Taryn, welcome to Sex and Happiness. Thanks for being my guest. Thanks, Laurie. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I saw you. I started to go. It's so funny. I hate LinkedIn as a social (laughs) media tool. I hate it. And lately I said, I need more guests for my show. I'm going to go on LinkedIn and find really cool people. And you're the first person that I found. Oh, fantastic. So it does work. It was worth me revisiting. Thank you. (laughs) Totally. LinkedIn works well for some things. Since you and I, I don't know, I'm not in corporate. I'm not in the corporate arena. It doesn't sound like you are. So it's like, I always think, why would I go on LinkedIn? But there it is. That's how we met each other. So let's talk a little bit about this book you wrote, Trust, a memoir about spiritual awakening and healing from abuse plus sexual shame. So when did you decide you were going to write about that? And can you tell a little bit about your background? Like what happened? that that voiced you into this arena. Yes, absolutely. And that will explain too why I am on LinkedIn. In my personal and professional evolution as a young woman growing up, I was always interested in in having a voice. And and so public relations and media was a a very um, fascinating space for me to enter into. And I studied communications uh, in Adelaide. And then I came to Sydney to work on the launch of Viagra. So I was with a big public relations company here. And then in that space with working on such a high profile blockbuster drug, 
I was, of course, then definitely in the corporate sector with working with high-end pharmaceutical companies, uh, yet part of me felt displaced. Uh, it was like I worked with a great team and that's why I linked back in to reconnect with these people because it's been a big journey for the last 12, 15 years. So I'm reconnecting uh, because halfway through, uh, about seven years ago, is when um, I left the corporate sector quite a long time ago, but seven years ago I came back out of a space of healing and that healing journey was undertaken uh, beneath the surface, if you like, in that secret squirrel environment where uh, I didn't realise how wounded I was. It's, it's way before what we've seen as a you know, very high-profile area of discussion nowadays. So for me, this was so new. And so I went to the sex industry because I didn't want to go back into corporate. I was burnt out. And I didn't have to but wait, Let me just ask you this question. You, you yes. mean corporate like the big pharma that launched? I just want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So you're talking about big pharma that launched the Viagra pill. Yeah. I actually yeah. worked for the public relations company that had Pfizer as their account. Okay. Merck Sharp and Dime, all the big ones. Okay. Got it. So, yeah, you were solidly in corporate. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then you and then you woke up to the fact that you had experienced abuse long before yeah. people were talking about it. Exactly, because I threw myself into work. Uh, and okay. you know, a lot of people dream of success, but success came because I had no life. I was literally um, running on adrenaline mm -hmm. and working with people who'd had sexual dysfunction in a very corporate setting. So for me, my sexuality journey began unravelling through working on the healing of others through this kind of corporate link, if that makes sense. I worked with people that had sexual dysfunction. I worked with urologists and I worked with a lot of... Um, I, I also worked on the accounts for some major um, breast cancer treatments and I worked on the Australasian Menopause Society roundtable research presentation. So I was really in there at the behind the scenes looking at how we are functioning as humans when we have um, sexuality disease. Yes, I, I get it. I, you know, everyone gets in the doorway they get in. <laughs> you know, like when they... Yeah. Usually exactly. Comes, yeah, usually it comes from a combination of... Um, wanting to make a difference in the world and finding out that transformation isn't powerful enough unless you get to the root of things and the root of things has to do with our shame and our guilt and those things that are rooted in the base of our bodies. And you came into it through working on the subject. Exactly. With other people hearing their stories. Yes. So I, I was literally the person that would write their story and pitch that to the public and pitch how these particular medicines could heal them. Um, but I, that's where I learned getting back to your, one of your prime questions around how I got then into this transformational space was recognising that my own body was breaking down yeah. through working so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because that happened to me too in corporate. It's identical. It's like I was the top producer 
of sales and enrollment in a, in a transformation company. And I, my body just broke down. That's it. It's amazing, isn't it? How we, yeah. we can help others and then we have to take, and this is the one um, other aspect, had to take a massive step back. I had mm-hmm. to give that up. Um, and I lost a lot of friends, you know, in, in the um, industry who, especially recruiters, when I went overseas to find myself, so to speak, you know, that, that big hero's journey we talk about. Mm-hmm. When I came back, I was a lot thinner. I couldn't wear my dark, you know, suit. So <laughs> when I invited to interviews, um, I didn't look like the same person and I couldn't fit into my suits. I literally wore a beautiful white linen dress and um, they pitched me to another high-end PR company who wanted me on board. Um, and I thought, I don't really want this, but, um, you know, I need to eat. I need to make money. I'm back in Sydney with no job and I don't have family here in Sydney. Mm. So I literally lived on a friend's couch and went to the interview thinking I'll just have to get back into corporate PR for a little while. And the uh, recruitment officer rang me and the first words he said was, how dare you wear a linen dress? It's a corporate setting. <laughs> and that's when I realised that I don't want to be amongst people who are going to judge me by how I look. Like mm. I had evolved somewhat, but I didn't understand the terminology then. But that's when I went and studied. <laughs> that person actually gave you, did you a favour? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, how dare you? <laughs> that's it. So I travelled all around um, well, mostly, you know, the Mediterranean and, and saw how they eating natural foods and how the villagers had the most basic setting, but they'd invite us to join them at the table after we did a big trek in the morning because I've always been a tracker um, and hiker. So, and I thought, here I am living in a big city, cost. Nobody wants to invite you in to the, and share at their table. So I got that message loud and clear when I actually got home. <laughs> So yes, he did me a favor. Yeah, wonderful. So let's talk. So then you went into some kind of sex work. Yes. So I went to yeah. sex work, um, not for another year. Um, and the thing is, during that year, I really took a step back and worked temporarily. You know, in, in a gym where everybody was burning out again, and I just needed to re recover completely, mentally and emotionally, as well as the physical which was happening. So that's where I looked into courses around coaching. Coaching was the new thing. This is back in 2002. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I just thought, well, what else do I need in order to understand and work with people like I used to but in a different way of helping them to work towards prevention rather than the cure? So I didn't want to go back into, you know, like medical, pharmaceutical work. Even though I saw it had a place, I thought... I need to move forward in helping people understand to live better. We can not um, have to, you know, like take medications as much later. So in doing so, though, um, I saw an ad while I was sitting there at a gym and literally this gym was smack bang in the middle of Sydney, high-end corporate one where journalists and everyone would run in at lunchtime. It was madness. Um, and, the, and the boss was quite, you know, like full on which I now know is bullying to her masculine. Yes. But at the time I just thought, why is everybody bossy and bully? Uh, and I saw this ad for a, an escort agency and I just thought, okay, let's see. I've got to pay my rent. Uh, and it was the best leap of faith I ever took. 
Mm. <laughs> so you're not, you actually down under there, you are not the first person that I ever talked to who found that as their career. And then that launched them found escort as a career. And then it launched them into a whole other career. And it's, you're not penalized in, in Australia for that. I mean, well, I, that's, yeah. And on that, Laura, it's a great point you make there because when, I mean, especially at my age and with the shaming, which we haven't really delved into yet, I guess for me, I must point out here in 2002, like I was 38, so nearly 40, mm-hmm. had really not gone backward to deal with all my issues at this point. So I saw this as an opportunity to hide, heal and regroup. And in the industry, what I discovered <clears throat> as I was studying, <clears throat> excuse me, it's quite humid here in Sydney, so the lungs get a little bit down. Yeah. Um, I actually realised when I went in that I met all these other women who, like me, were really looking at life from a holistic perspective, like how can we be true to ourselves without burning out and working through that level of masculinity, but at the same time be feminine and yet not feel uh, caged in, abused. So that's where I I realised that for me, yes, we as women as well had uh, defined ourselves by um, what we figured was feminine but we've learned, as I did in the sex industry, we're actually, we actually to fit in and belong. So that industry on the flip side, which was always shamed as well, and, you know, anybody that had lots of sex was a slut. Um, And I was never that person in real life, but I was shamed by my mother and girlfriends early in life. So that's what came up when I was working. And Mm -hmm. I felt really hurled with the other women who were like, you know, doctors and lawyers who reached rock bottom and trying to survive to bring up their kids or get their licences in Sydney, like me, most of them had no family here. It was like, wow, where is it that we can't find a community or women outside of this space that were going to help us get back on our feet? Um, The men within this space, they weren't always, you know, like even for me, the the idea and the mythology was around um, sex being something that was procured for our beloved and yet not for ourselves. Right. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> that just in itself is so good. So then, so we only have a couple more minutes in this segment, but then you're saying that all the stuff that had happened to you in the past, shaming from your mother, shaming yeah. from your girlfriends, that started to come up for you as yes. you were in the sex industry. It did. It yeah. Did. Isn't it amazing? I call that transformation through pleasure. Like as you're learning to have pleasure in your body, everything that isn't pleasure comes up, like all the past stuff. That's what my first chapter is about because that's what opened me up. Um, It really took me on this journey back into my body. They asked permission and a lot of it was, and when I say they, the men who paid for my time, they didn't actually pay for sex and that was another one of those myths, you know, that, a sex worker is somebody that's given up on her life, body, soul. At one point of entry, of course, that's true. But once you're entered into that world, it's like the whole Persephone kind of archetype where you're actually empowered beyond belief. 
Yes. You know, um, I just want to say, I want to, you're, you're reminding me of my favorite movie, which is Dangerous Beauty. And it's about the, you know, it's about the Venice courtesans in, in, in before the church uh, takes over. And uh, that is just my favorite movie because those women were so revered and the men didn't make any decisions without talking to them. Absolutely. Yeah. So I get it. I get that you, through not trying to, found not only survival, but you found, you got your whole life out of shifting. <laughs> out of, out of what was expected of you and doing something that was definitely not expected and then life changed. It certainly did. Life changed yeah. by the time I was 40, well and truly. <laughs> That's so great, Taryn. Thanks for sharing that. We, we need to take a little break here, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the wisdom that you have now, the stuff that has to do with conscious relationship, intimacy, and shamanic medicine. That's another, that's a part I don't want to leave out, the shamanic Lovely. medicine part. So we're going to take a little break here, and when we come back, uh, we'll delve right into that. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host, and... I'm interviewing Taryn Harvey today, and she's just told us an incredible story. Perhaps some of you listening, it's happened to you, where all of a sudden you, you were one thing in life, you broke down and realized you had to switch, and you kind of got desperate and went to something else, and that something else transformed you. So stay tuned, because we're going to hear more about that, and it's very exciting. We'll be right back. Did you ever stop to think that love is your birthright? That you don't need to earn it or prove it? You just need to live it. I'm personally inviting you to the path of true love, power, and freedom. If you're ready to enliven your soul through conscious sexuality and dive deeply into profound ritual that frees your heart, I'm inviting you to join us for the spiritual sexual shamanic experience. This is better known to most of you as the ISTA Level 1 training. I am regularly leading these courses along with a team of accomplished facilitators all around the world. As a matter of fact, these trainings have taken place in 34 countries. For information on when I'm leading, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com. Or for a full schedule, you can go to SchoolofTempleArts.org. Please consider this invitation seriously because love and freedom are your natural state of being. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown Take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life physically emotionally and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers, only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. 
Order your copy today by going to ButterflyWorkshops.com. That's ButterflyWorkshops.com for your copy of Sex and Happiness. If you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this, because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra, because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want, please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handlers on the Sex and Happiness Show. We're back with Sex and Happiness. Again, I'm Laurie Handlers. I'm interviewing Taryn Harvey from Sydney, Australia, who wasn't originally. I get that you were probably from Adelaide, but I, you know, I got that when you were talking. Um, but Taryn's coming to us today from Sydney, and um, she's a Tantra teacher and an intuitive healer, and she works with Tantra and sacred sexuality, and she, she has some things to to teach us or to share with us anyway about how intimacy and conscious relationship relate mm -hmm. and also something about shamanic medicine. So we're just going to get rolling again. Taryn, yes. where, you know, where you're at now, I don't know how, so you, you were talking about 2002, 2004. So now we're in, we're, in, we're almost at the end of 2018, moving into 2019. I know. What, um, what can you say that you've, that you've learned that you now share with people the wisdom that you've gotten from facing all this stuff? Well, uh, so when I moved out of that space of working as an escort, what I learned, because I also came out with the money I earned, I actually paid for my diplomas mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, invested in property with my sister, but it wasn't about the money for me. What I learned was that, the wisdom is in how we reclaim our own essence and human nature is that we need to feel like we belong, uh, we need to survive, we need to have a shelter and we need sex in order to feel that vibrant, ecstatic, orgasmic self. So the wisdom I definitely garnered from the sex industry was that I was not only shown by a lot of these amazing men that I met. Very rarely were they married, by the way. So the stigma that women would place upon that was that, you know, 
you're stealing my husband, which we have in outside society anyway, was the opposite. It was like I learned from men that there's loneliness and there's a need for sexual intimacy. Yes. And, by the way, if they were married, you were probably keeping their marriage together. Oh, absolutely. And, <laughs> I'm you know, just saying. I'm just saying. I totally agree. I think... The reason I'm shifting that mantra to kind of really highlight the, the single men, though, is because uh, a lot of the married men during that phase, given this was like a good 10, 12 years ago now, um, even more, oh, my God, 2002 to 2005, five, six. Um, so it's about four or five years definitely in that space. And at that time, before social media, before websites were really big with the girls showing their faces, I, we were all in the secret squirrel space where, um, yes, yeah, so there were a lot of married men back then who really did hone in on this space as their sanctuary, very much like the ancient times. So the wisdom was, though, that, that there were more single men than married. Mm-hmm. And as this space and time of our society was shifting anyway into a more global and um, social kind of you know, like technological age, what I was dealing with um, was those men that could only come into these places because they were lonely. In the shift and in the wisdom that I'm sharing now is that even as I came out myself, which had to happen, I didn't do this organically, by the way, I ran away to Gold Coast and thought I can shut the door now on on my um, secret past. I've healed the shame around my mother. And by the way, that was because I got married 30 years ago because of group and peer group pressure and having yeah. that, you know, it was expected. So I'm still kind of of that era. But as I was coming through and what I've um, seen is that we have been able to, I feel like the wisdom for me is being able to come out in 2012 and 13 with this book and say, you know, we want women in their 20s and 30s to be empowered around their sexuality, but also men. I don't want men to have to hide behind um, their computers and laptops and because they can get all of this online now. So, yeah. so, so that's, yeah. that's yeah. where it's really encapsulate both the old school and how we've t- tuned into this new technological school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, married men and single men. The, the other wisdom they're uh, getting out of the sex workspace now is that Sex had been also governed by a lot of what we in Western society had had, had um, deemed um, disgusting or, or lewd or, um, you know, like because of a lot of the repression from our age groups as well, you know, like coming into this sexuality space means that we didn't know how to be a sensual individual and allow ourselves to organically connect with another person, be it a man or woman. So a lot of people are confused. So I also feel that what I'm imparting here is that there's still a lot of confusion about what sexuality and what intimacy is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So intimacy, what I saw in the sex industry, again, I hardly had any sex, by the way. Um, I actually wanted to have more. <laughs> <laughs> As they opened me up in my orgasmic body, I was giving more permission. I was I was ready and I knew what I wanted. So what I witnessed with a lot of the single men especially, because a lot of the married men, yes, they taught me. They, they were older and wiser. So as I came through and came out the other end, 
that wisdom was imparted from a lot of these men who'd had repressed sexual experiences, who'd probably learned throughout, again, you know, that kind of sanctuary of, of um, establishments. So the single men then get that information and learning from me. It's They don't want to bonk so much, I love that term, um, in terms of having uh, penetrational sex. They want to feel like they're being seen. They want to feel like... Um, that sexual energy is met with permission. So during our sessions in the industry and then when I moved out, because I studied Tantra through that space as well, there's a Tantra um, goddess in our group. Mm. Uh, I learned that by speaking and being more authentic with these particular single lonely men who are like I was 45 by the time I left the industry, 44, and they were like 25, 30 gorgeous young men and they were learning about their sexual bodies but they didn't want to go to the pubs and especially in the culture here and, and you know like um you know men have a few beers and women will be in the pubs and you know everybody goes home and gets laid a lot of men that don't actually want that so i've learned to be able to connect with men especially as i've moved into this space and came out about my experiences is how they can learn where to master that sexual essence and who they are as individuals so that they understand how to open up to intimacy. I want to just, you know, I want to say something to you because what you said is so profound as I see it. And here's why women who are feel victimized or abused by men or, or feel the patriarchy in one way or another feel that men, all they want is to get laid. Mm-hmm. And, and young men, they feel that even more about, but then old men, they project that all onto them too. And exactly. what you just said is not that. You said the opposite. Mm-hmm. You said men want to be seen. They want to be gotten. They want to be understood. They want to be heard. They want to be, you know, cherished. I mean, it's just the same thing. And you Absolutely. just you just blew that myth right out of the water, and I just I can't let it go without underlining it. Thank you. Yeah, and it's a big part of my journey because, in actual fact, a lot of my wounding is from women. Mm-hmm. Me too. <laughs> yeah, and the first one was my mother, who uh, and getting back to why I write the book and come out, and she came to the launch in two thousand and thirteen. Um, by mistake, my sister told her that she was coming to Sydney for my book launch. So my mum was wanting to reconnect with me. So I didn't want her to know about anything and it, it was actually the best thing that happened. Um, so because she was shamed around falling pregnant with me back in the 60s. So that's where the women of the, the, you know that era who were really in the, the throes of having the pill for protection and real hippie types, like my parents were, you know, they had tattoos, they were very um, beach-focused, so my mum felt pregnant, but she had this vision for herself that meant once you're pregnant, the expectation was to get married then and have your family. So I grew up with the emotional abuse. So I would make that clear. There was no physical um, until later. Then my mum, we've had a lot of healing around this, by the way, so she's happy for me to share. It's in the book. Um, became quite violent with me and was always slapping me across the face in front of people for looking pretty or acting gregarious. Um, and my dad was more of the um, surrendering passive type. So the passive aggressive I witnessed in my parents was having the, um, the feminine was the aggressor, my mother. 
Right. And yeah, and the the passive and very spiritual person was my father, but he was also an alcoholic. And so he was very much under her control. Even though she had to marry him, had to, I then grew up with the mixed messages that they loved each other. So my mum had no healing. No. So that's in terms of that ongoing wound from the feminine and the women in my life and the shaming around sexuality that carried on until I dipped into the sex industry and, and you know, dipped back out, I had no choice then but to, and when I say had no choice, the industry kept calling me because the GFC then happened when I came back to Sydney again to start again. <laughs> and it was like far out, like, okay, I hear you. And I contacted the local um, tantric school and talked about it, you know, about why is it that I feel like people aren't getting this, but I don't want to go back into the sex industry, but I want to work in this space. How do I do that without having to sell sex again? Because I was past yeah. that. I want to help be a healer in that sexuality side. And healing was had to begin with my mother. Yes. Well, you know what? That It has to begin with all of us and all of our mothers and fathers because they didn't know Tantra and they didn't know how to have conscious sex. They didn't know how to have like really super conscious sex. They didn't know how to create us from like this super love space and a planned thing and everything. They didn't know any of that. They were just, they were just people like animals, like all animals making babies. That's it. So my dad, (laughs) yeah. And that's the thing. And I guess I didn't finish off about the masculine side. My dad was very much um, a forward thinker like that. He gave me my first amethyst crystals, a lot of them, which I feel protected me. And yet he just didn't feel strong enough to step up in that space. He started yeah. the first Tai Chi practice in my neighbourhood growing up in Adelaide. He was known as that, you know, that funny, fastidious, you know, like sometimes vain. He was very much that person that was all about the body um, before his time. So really by the time I came out of the sex industry, etc., I didn't have the strong masculine support mm. externally. So it was sad that in the internal, you know, secret world of men was where I got my, my men um kind of space and that masculine support because yeah. even my father they were so suppressed by a lot of the women who took back their power through marriage through holding withholding sex so i just want yeah. to say that yeah. yeah thank you so let's skip forward let's jump forward to now okay. you know clearly you're an educator a tantra educator intuitive healer and you mix you help people with um conscious relating and uh, intimacy, uh, clearly what you've learned. And then how do you mix that with shamanic medicine? That's like my, I'm at the edge of my chair wanting that because I, I teach ISTA, which is, uh, we, I teach a level one ISTA which is, and level two ISTA, which is spiritual, sexual, shamanic training. Yes, I've and, been looking at that because I remember seeing ISTA when I, um, started when I embraced the tantric journey in 2012 um, and I had my first Kundalini experience because I literally, instead of taking off and traveling the world, I stayed put and allowed the experience of breaking open to happen. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, it was a few years from the, since the GFC, I came back to Sydney and I was trying to get this all up and running. I went and worked at the Heart Foundation. I worked at um, all these different places to try and escape what the calling was, which was, Work with this orgasmic energy and allow the <laughs> message to flow through you. So when the message flowed through me, flowed through me, I was literally on the floor, crying, breaking open, thinking, 
I'm done, universe, what do you want from me? And I'd had my ritual crystals that my dad had given me out on my table and I was living in this box of a place, burning out again from the commute um, and working with people around hearts and opening up hearts. So, again, the message was keep your heart open. So I recognised in those couple of years where because I'm, I've always been a hiker and outdoors and my journey has been about getting back out. And I was literally running. Uh, I placed an ad that I was you know, going to um, offer Tantra and I'd already been back in 2006-07, some training with one person, but online training in, with some other schools. And so for me, it still didn't come back into the, you know, the grassroots. I didn't want to just do tantric massage because I felt it was, I saw a lot of ex um, escort clients who never got erections and I thought no you just want cheap rub and tug that's not where I want to go I want to be in that tantric space of authentic living and I just don't feel it so when I had this beautiful orgasmic feeling and went outside and went for a run um, and connected I can smell the earth and I was really connecting with it and when I came back I had all these messages and then the rest opened I got filmed and that's when I started finishing off my book so in the last few years, I've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes, you know, like with other practitioners that I studied with, you know, way back in 2002 and four, who are now practitioners in their own right, who have done a lot of the um, shamanic earth practices. Um, and in fact, my transformational and holistic life care um, teacher was a shaman. So a lot of our teachings were shamanic. And mm. it, it flowed. It's like an, orga an organic process of allowing myself to connect with the outdoors. So even in my teachings, I take my students outdoors and we do a lot of work in, in the open. And I saw the ISTA trainings back then too and I thought, wow, yeah, you know, like I kept putting that off to maybe one day go and, and participate <laughs> because in the meantime, of course, we've all been, you know, like taking up arms, I guess, and running with what's opened up because I feel the wisdom that came through me then with just rolling with it has been, you know, quite a fast process in the last six years. It's like, wow, where did that time go? Yeah, I get it. It's a, it's a lot. Well, I wanted to just say, I mean, speaking about shamanism, I mean, what I've come to understand it to be by doing the trainings that I do is uh, creating um supernatural reality or altered <laughs> states of reality where yeah. where then some of the messages come through the veil of of what ordinary reality is to extraordinary reality and the, the messages come through and people don't resist like they yes. just they just get it because they they're not on any drugs they're just well, we exactly. just we create those kind of experiences, though, that drugs often create in people, that's this kind it. of supernatural reality. So, I love that, supernatural reality. Well, that's spot on because my Kundalini experience, because I'd, I'd self-pleasured in that moment where I just thought I'm dying anyway. <laughs> yes. last, last episode of Drama Queen coming in there, which was, you know, like the, the hooks from the past. So as soon as I opened up and said, I'm not going to be that person, I'm, I'm moving forward, even though I felt like I was cracking open, Yes, that's where that veil lifted. And in that space of time, by the way, I was also wanting a child and I had a few miscarriages and uh, that's another deeper part of the book that unfolded too. It's like my body is a vessel. It was like as a body worker, 
and as the person that was then really breaking down and breaking open even more and wanting to be out of this body again, I actually did feel that that natural accordance, if you like, the higher vibration of knowing. It just came through me and bam, clients come to me. Uh, or I didn't like to call them clients then, but, you know, like people who come back from war, young men who mm. had a real strong sense of wanting intimacy but not knowing how to. And so energetically, all of those things that I'd learned suddenly made sense because I could feel it with other people. It was like I became this conduit from the universe still with my feet on the earth, which yeah. is the part which kept me there. So now it's like, oh, my God, you know, somebody up there had a good laugh. But it really meant that I'd finally got out of my own way and I could be with people and feel their stories. And I'm such a sceptic, by the way, and I just stood even further back and went, what is that? But just naming it with these people. So that's why I got really busy really quick, even as I was, you know, opening up to all my wounding at a more shamanic level which again was about past lives then I thought oh my god you know can this all be happening as well which it did I then drew in all these people worldwide um, because I ended up in Phoenix Arizona actually oh that's where I live yeah beautiful (laughs) Um, and I didn't plan on traveling ever again but I had all these people coming to me who had Native American Indian spirits sending them to me and Uh, In that space, as I was really opening up to whatever it was, I could take them back into the journey and say to them, like, this may sound really bizarre, but I'm seeing an image of, you know, like you dancing around a a teepee or something. And I've had um, engineers and firemen, ambulance people at that time, men, you know, super Aussie blokes saying, yep, that's my spirit guide. (laughs) oh my god God. they believe it so i had to start um opening up to that and believing it for myself because and that's the point which is a great discussion for us here and i'm glad you mentioned you know the shamanic and and lifting that veil it's like we don't realize just how much we are empowered to really connect with other people around this once we get out of our own way it just comes through and these people that assaulted the earth it's like, you know, I've already helped demystify the, the sexual shaming and now there's this other level around spiritual kind of acceptance that we are light beings, you know, who are able to embrace all elements of our physical bodies. Cause there's we, are. Body. we are, we are, we are so good. Well, we got to take another break here. So, so far, so great. Thank you for all of that. And for, uh, again, it's, you know, our shame comes from where it comes from. You know, we can't, uh, that the whole point, I mean, it's not the whole point, but a lot of the piece that you're talking about, besides breaking through in the spiritual realms, has to do with we, one gender can just simply not point their finger at the other gender. And say, you know, this gender is responsible for all of my wounds. It's just not true. And you're like, you're just making such a great case for people to understand that they need each other and that we need each other all to help heal, you know, and to those, some of us have talents in one way and some of us have talents in another way, but getting into the body and getting back to the basics of, you know, yeah, I need sex, I need food, I need clothing, I need shelter, and I need to honor that. Exactly. And, 
and honor what my the rest of my body needs. You said so many things, so I'm just like I'm 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 underscoring some of them. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to find out how people get in touch with you, and also if you have a tip, anything you know. Let's say someone. I doubt that someone's listening to my show for the first time, but maybe they are. And if they are, what would be the tip of the place where you would say to them, start? So I'm going to give you that, and then we're going to take a few minute, few moment break, and we'll come back and, and find out that information. So this is Sex and Happiness. I'm Laurie Handlers. I'm thrilled to have Taryn Harvey on my show today because I love her message. <laughs> so I hope you do too, and we're coming right back. Stay tuned. So many times you've heard Lori talk about emotional release on this show. She says over and over again how important it is for you and your loved ones. Now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. And you can practice Lottie Han too, meditation that prepares you for making love in the unknown. In her CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her Butterfly Workshops courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD actually provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lottie Han today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order your copy, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com right now. As a sex and happiness coach, I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with a Sibian has personally increased my sexual response, and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being, whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience, often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add. Trust me on this. I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N.com. Or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800-253-6135. And say, Laurie Handler's told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for Men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S, for men. In this segment, Taryn, if you would uh, let people... First of all, do you have anything? If I was just starting out today, I had never heard anything about any of this. For the, and for the first time, I'm listening to this show what would you tell people? What would you tell somebody to do first? I tell them to come right back to that place 
where they remember feeling ecstatic about life, mm. what gave them pleasure and help them understand the word, what it means. Because a lot of people think pleasure is, you know, like from the genital perspective, you know, sexual, and yet they, the unconscious person, and when we say unconscious, again, you know, coming right back to the people that don't know much about what we're talking about, right. they want to know how to, to connect and how, how to feel this belonging, how to feel excited and pleasured in a way that is ongoing and not just a fulfilment that needs to happen with another person sexually. Yeah, that's a different dance. You know, that's a completely different dance, but pleasure is something, the body needs it. We all need oxytocin and all the other things, serotonin, dopamine, endorphins, which you got when you were doing running and hiking. But there's something about connection to self and then connection to others that doesn't really have to be sexual. It could just be feeling connection, feeling connected in the world. So well, that's, I I guess that's why it took me a few a different, you know, like dark night of the soul experiences, like breaking down and breaking open to come back to pleasure. Because as I mentioned, the second time, you know, first time I went into the sex industry, the second time I self-pleasured as I was moving into the tantric space and I had my first Kundalini awakening. Uh, so when I witness people who come to me and want to have orgasm and especially women, it's just booming with women now, like, the first 10 years of my life, it was all men. Then it started to have a trickle of women, you know, five years ago. And now I see mostly women. It's quite interesting because we're learning that the pleasure that takes place in the body is also an ongoing uh, healing um, aphrodisiac. It's our capacity then to keep that state within our sacral chakra, that space between our hips, which I call the Holy Grail. That's what everybody was striving for, you know, in the history books when we read about it, that's what modern society is about. And that's why I know I'm still in Sydney. I mean, I travel around a bit, but I tend to find, um, as more women are doing this work, probably that's why I'm shifting again. But um, we don't realise the Holy Grail is about feeling into that essence and filling up our own cups. So I'm teaching so much here in Sydney because that energy goes towards paying off million-dollar loans or keeping kids in private school. And um, so, you know, trying to stay in that grassroots space, working with these people, it gets more and more difficult because they want more, they want more. They come to me and then, you know, that sounds like so easy, but it's really hard work when they look at what they have to change. They have to look at what pleasure is and then go back to remembering it and then deconstruct what they've blocked it with. Yeah, very good. Very, very good. Thank you for that. It's a great tip. So if you're out there and this is the first time you're hearing any of that, you know, anything about all this, Taryn's just given you a great idea, which is go back to when you experienced pleasure and figure out how you blocked it. And, you know, the why doesn't matter. Like the why, sometimes people want to know why this happened or why that happened. Sometimes the why doesn't matter at all. Like just unblocking is what's important. And so it's great, great advice. Taryn, how do people get in touch with you? Let's say they're not in Sydney. Let's say they are in Sydney and they want to get in touch with you, but let's say that they're somewhere else because my listeners are all over the world. 
how can what's the best way for people to reach you okay um well i have a website tantricmedicinewoman.com i found that was really easy tantricmedicinewoman.com okay um, and yeah taryn at taryn is my email address so, so let's, um, let's spell that though not everybody knows how to spell taryn yeah t-a-r-y-n at taryn harvey so that's t-a-r-y-n finelli harvey h-a-r-b-e-y.com great really great or you could find her on linkedin because that's where i found her that's it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm very excited that i found you if i should come back to sydney which is likely Oh, um, I would love to meet you in person. I, of course, invite you to ISTA. There's plenty of ISTA in oh, Australia. Oh, I know. That's exciting. Lovely. And, um, and, I, and thank you so very much for being my guest today on Sex and Happiness. Thank you, too. Yeah, it's been wonderful. And everybody who's listening out there, I'd like you to tune in next time when I will have uh, a friend of mine on the show named Michael Arthur, who's doing a new program called I don't even know if I can say it on the air. It's like um, fucking your way to making money or something. I don't know. He just came out with this outrageous program. And I said to him, you know what? I need to, I need to interview you. You're getting wilder and wilder. So that'll be the next show after this. I want to thank you because I couldn't possibly uh, do this, get this message across without all of you who listen. So thank you. This is Laurie Hammers signing off for Sex and Happiness. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Laurie and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.